Hey, Rockheads, it's time for NDC Oslo again, June 15th through 19th in Oslo, Norway. Richard and I will be there, of course, as well as all your favorite speakers. World-class stuff here, folks. NDC-Oslo.com. We'll see you there. .NET Rocks, episode 1125, with guest Seth Lackner. Recorded Friday, March 20th, 2015. Hey, it's Carl and Richard. Hey, dude. And we're at the Nebraska Code Camp. We are. It's right after lunch, so you may hear the remains of lunch moving out. Yeah, it's uh, we're in the big hall. There's a little bit of noise in, noise in the background, but that's, that's never what's fun about anybody. live shows. Let's just dive right in and roll the music for Better No Framework. Awesome. <laughs> All right, buddy, what do you got? You know, it's been a while since I went and looked at Azure prices or cloud prices, right. and... Uh, it always seems that there's so many little things that they charge you for mm-hmm. that you really have to be careful uh, and know what you're what, know what you're in for when you press that button. Yeah, you need to know a lot about your app to actually be able to set the values for the price. You really do. You you have to sort of anticipate your needs. Yeah, like how much bandwidth you're going to consume. Yeah, exactly. But I was very surprised to see how little this stuff costs. It is racing to the bottom. Yeah. So if you just Google Bing Azure Pricing Calculator or go to tinyurl.com slash Azure Pricing Calculator, that's what it is. You get to pick uh, categories of websites, virtual machines, mobile services, cloud services, data management, or the full calculator, which just has everything on one page. Right. And you little sliders, you know, you can use on your phone if you want. It's 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 great. And you just... Uh, and you had a tough time spending a lot of money? Is that what you're trying to say? No, you know, I, I, I'm just really surprised, especially like the CDN. I'm really surprised at how cheap that is. And yeah. now I'm considering moving stuff over for our show, you know, to a CDN. And yeah, Azure, no kidding. Because it's just kind of hard to resist. Yeah. Pricing is astonishing. Yeah. Well, it's a good it's a good reference, dude. It's certainly something we all need to pay attention to. Absolutely. And if you haven't checked it out, you should. Uh, Azure Pricing Calculator. Just go Google Bing it and you'll see it there. Who's talking to us, Richard? Grabbed a comment off of show 1077, the one we did with Ben Hall when we were in NDC London and we talked a little bit about Docker. Yeah. That's sort that's of the right. first conversations. I'm, I'm really excited. We first heard about it. We're going get, to get back into this because yeah. uh, Ben was just talking about the early bits and clearly stuff has moved along here. Yeah. And Martin wrote this great comment and it's just Martin. Apparently he has no last name. Okay. And his, in, his opening is Yo. Interesting stuff. (laughs) You brought up how this compares to Azure websites, but even more interesting is how it would be compared to Azure web and worker roles in cloud services. With cloud services, you can upload a zip containing the code to execute. Azure then takes care of spinning up the VM and executing the code, which I totally forgot about. I mean, that was one of the claims to fame with the worker role is no concept of a VM anymore. You just send it. It does all of that. Yeah. And Docker is sort of like that. It's kind of a container the same way. Uh, Martin goes on to say, different organizations have taken applications and packaged them as cloud services. For example, MongoDB is available to execute as a cloud service. And to deploy this, you simply upload the cloud service package file to Azure, which then spins up the worker roles, and you execute MongoDB. This is all that platform as a service. Right. Right. In my ears, this sounds quite similar to Docker. Of course, it's nowhere near the number of organizations that are doing stuff for Docker. But from my end user perspective, it seems similar. A few years ago, it was possible to run VM roles in Azure, VM roles even closer to Docker app containers, but these were discontinued in May of 2013. Mm -hmm. 
VM roles never went out of beta in Azure. And as a customer using it in production, because I'm brave, I was happy to receive a one month notice about them terminating all VM roles. I don't think, I think that was sarcasm. Wow. You think that was sarcasm? A little bit. That's a little sarcasm. Yeah. I think there's some scars there. Martin with no last name has scars. Martin's very cool, but he lets you know that he he's, you know. he's not yeah. happy. It was not that. a happy day. No. In October of 2014, Microsoft announced that they were making investments to include app containers in the quote, next wave of Windows servers. Whatever that means. In my naive view, there appears to be a big overlap between app containers and cloud services as far as this web and worker role stuff is concerned. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, relatively little has happened in the web worker role since they were introduced with the initial Azure launch. It seems like app containers in Azure would make the web worker roles pretty much obsolete. And we talked about this with Michelle, too. Absolutely. Because she's moved everything to websites. Yeah. Although, you know, it's it's very challenging for her because the Docker concept is a bigger concept. Yeah, it sure is. And it would be interesting to hear what the long-term plans are for web and worker roles and how that maps to app containers announced in October. Maybe I'll hunt down the goo for that. I think that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Martin, yeah. we're here for you, man. We'll find a way to make that happen. Thank you so much for a comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NETRocks.com or on any of our mobile apps because we've got them for iOS, Android, Windows Phone 7 and 8, and Windows 8. And that brings us to our guest, Seth Lackner, has been developing software for over 20 years, starting on C and Unix, and then transitioning to Java. He's most comfortable on the server side of a software development stack. Seth is passionate about technology and coffee, and is always up for either. Great bio, Seth. Thanks. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So, what did you think about that email we got from Martin? Um, I, I think there's some great stuff in there. I mean, um, it's, he has some great observations. Um, uh, I'm not, I'm not that familiar with, with the Azure, uh, web worker roles. Web worker roles. Yeah. Um, um, I spend more of my, more of my time on, on Unix. Um, yeah. but it does sound very similar, uh, the way you were describing it to containers. Just, to container. The idea of a VM is, it's kind of big and heavy, right? You've right. got to set an OS. You've got to own all of those bits. Right. You've got to maintain and configure it yourself. How do I, yeah. Get rid of that. Well, you have you have you have a you still have the classic integration problem, right? Unless you're mm -hmm. willing to stand up single purpose VMs, yeah. you still have the classic integration problem of everything I want to put on that VM has to work on that VM. Right. Um, with containers, you don't have that problem. I can my containers can be somewhat isolated. I can stand up a single. Matter of fact, in the Docker paradigm, the idea is containers are process oriented. So the container is structured to run a process and it's meant to function for that process. Right. And I mean, do we really, should we really only be thinking about Docker from the context of cloud or does this make sense in other models? Does this make sense internally? Does it make oh, sense yeah. on a laptop? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, uh, the demo I do for my talk is, is all on my laptop. I'm running, um, Ubuntu, uh, Linux, although I could be running, uh, windows. I could be running, Macintosh, right? Um, Docker. Uh, there's a boot to Docker, uh, kind of micro kernel VM that will run on either of those platforms, and I can do all of that. Um, I can run those containers on my laptop. Literally, boot to Docker. It's called boot to Docker. Um, there's another. Uh, Docker's going. I mean, you would not believe how many times I've had to change my slides uh, since <laughs> yeah. I started working it, it on the presentation. Like a bomb has gone off. There. There's right. so much happening. Yeah. At once. So what I got to know is what technology is going on there to make it so lightweight and fast. I mean, what are the things that it doesn't do that a traditional VM has to do? Well, it's sharing the kernel. Pure and simple, it's sharing the kernel. So when you start up a container, um, it's 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 not you're not you're not running a full version of the operating system. You are you're borrowing kernel space um, 
you're borrowing uh, kernel functionality um, with other processes. You're running isolated, right? So your memory space is isolated. Yeah, but you haven't but you haven't started another copy of the kernel. Right. So they're basically down at a lower level, hooking into doing CPU tricks. Basically, um, it depends. On Windows, uh, I believe there there is some CPU level stuff. The Linux kernel actually has what's known as LXC or or the Linux kernel extensions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's based on something similar to uh, uh, what Sun put in. Sun had zones in right. Solaris back yeah. in the day. Mm-hmm. Never really caught on. I remember looking at them fondly as a developer. Um, the admins wouldn't let us touch them, so um, I never got to play with Solaris zones. Right. Hmm. Um, but I can play with I can play with uh, uh, Docker containers. Um, so the kernel has those hooks in there. The kernel has the necessary pieces um, uh, to expose uh, process isolation, and and uh, there's a thing called C groups, which which lets it do some uh, right. uh, kind of the container stuff, and um, and so be and so the Docker uh, a daemon is able to hook into those things and say, hey, kernel, I'm gonna I'm gonna have you do some stuff for me, right? Um, so that those hooks have been in there since the earliest operating systems days, in anticipation of this kind of stuff, or so. Um, I believe, let's see, um, the first version of LXC went into the Linux kernel in 2008. Ironically, it just became 1.0 in 2014. Wow. They certainly took their time. But that's pretty normal in that, in it the is open very source normal. world. It is right? very normal. Well, and it's not an easy problem, right? I mean, no. it's, there's all kinds of opportunities to to create huge security holes if you don't do this oh, yeah, right. No, you get this wrong, it's really serious. Yeah. But I think it's one of the reasons, like, the way you've described it, which I've never heard someone describe it better, Seth, so thank you. Oh, wow. That this, that approach is the same thing that happened with virtual machines, but they did that from a BIOS and CPU level, where right. it was Intel and AMD that came up with the virtual machine extensions, the hypervisor extensions, right. to make all that possible. So now you've got the OS builders building these extensions. Essentially, so, yes. So this is what the Windows team is actually working on, I guess, in conjunction with Docker, is how yes. to get those kinds of things running in the Windows kernel securely enough and of high enough quality that we can really count on. Why, why didn't Microsoft come out with Docker? So, I, you know, that's a very good question. But, but to their credit, when they saw, when they saw the groundswell, um, there, there appears to have been a pretty early, um, uh, understanding of what this meant and, and, Nobody's really sure what they're doing yet. I, I have I've looked. I mean, I yeah. When I, when and they're when, not clear. It's, they're no, it's, this is very no. vague. Um, but they want it to be uh, Docker compatible, is what they'll say. Right. And 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 you know they they've got some real geniuses on the on the Windows kernel team. So I'm I'm yeah. I'm sure it'll be I, I'm sure great. it'll be something. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I I would not debate for a moment that the the Win10 kernel they're working on right now is the best kernel they've ever made. Like yeah. their focus on the quality improvement of the kernel since Vista is astonishing, mm-hmm. but it's got to be a big deal to say, are, you know, are we going to do this? Like it's yeah. something almost foreign to them, but they've been trying right. to pare that kernel down and pare it down. And now to add this in, well, you've right. been talking about application virtualization on run as radio for have, a long yeah. time. But what, what's, what's different about Docker than the stuff that we're already doing to virtualize applications. I think these several tiers above that, it depends on whose app you look at, too. Yeah. Everybody's doing it a different way, which is a clear sign we don't know what we're doing yet. <laughs> like, there's, there's almost no distinguishing difference in my mind between Hyper-V and VMware's vSphere implementation. Yeah. Like, 
some have you know, VMware may have different features or whatever. Yeah, but, and, but they're counting on the same bits. You know, they've right. got Intel and AMD to do those things. They've agreed on working on that. Like that's a very stable piece to build against. Mm-hmm. The idea that we're moving up to the OS level kernel, I totally get that now. Like, of course that's what we're doing. Right. Now right. We don't need to own the OS anymore. Right. That's hard, and to build higher than that is why I think. App V is just scattered in a lot right. of respects. What well, and that'll be, what'll be interesting is is will you know so Docker runs as a daemon yeah in 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 Unix world and so um, and it exposes an API so does you know will the Windows uh, kernel developers will they sit there and say um, do do I need to provide the same type of services as um, as Linux does or can I do things a little bit different and rely on on the Docker API to feed the ecosystem. Right. You know, there's, there's an, there's an, you know, Microsoft has done a really good job with, with, uh, abstraction layers in the past. Um, is this another opportunity for them to say, oh, well, this is our abstraction layer. We're going to be able to do things the Microsoft way and still, and, and still be and Docker s- compliant and still be compliant. Right. Or, you know, again, we're the wild speculation here, but I mean, you do wonder. Well, and so let's dive into this a little more. We think kernel, I mean, we think about the minimum pieces that the ring mm. zero stuff in the operating system where does say the network stack sit in that say in linux because right. i've built linux machines that didn't have a network stack installed and i could add that in separately or run a different one right um so that's yeah that's a good question i'm um i'd have to i'd have to look that up honestly right. i haven't i haven't had to do any of that myself recently i can tell you how it runs if in docker mm-hmm. um so uh when you're running a container um you you can either expose part of that uh, through a through a network mapping to the existing networking layer, or if I link two containers together, um, there's a virtualized networking that occurs between the two of them, right. and that's and that's an isolated channel. And, and is that actually uh, separate IPs, and they're just mapping right. in a subnet kind of thing? Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the, each mm-hmm. container has each container gets uh, gets its own um, host name, it gets it gets its own uh, IP address. Um, if I link them together with the link command. Uh, that information is exchanged by the daemon right. to tie those two together. And I don't. And have is that to... isolated? They can't. Nothing right. else can see that relationship. Right. right. You can't okay. see wow. it from outside. I mean, this reminds me of virtual machines yeah. too, where you could do virtual network, virtual private network, and literally have an isolated connection, and then only have one of the VMs with an external connection. Right. So. And actually, I, I I do that as a demo. I have I stand up a, a MySQL database in one container. I link a real simple uh, web services app I wrote uh, to it. And the web services app exposes ports. You you can't see you can't see MySQL um, no on my machine. No, mm-hmm. is the only thing that can talk to it is that other uh, other app. You know, it's really funny. We went out a couple of years ago and bought all these great big you know sixteen gigs of RAM, all these SSDs, so that we could run all these virtual machines. And now they're just turning into apps. You yeah. know, <laughs> just another down. just right. another process. Right. So I could be running. What, 16, 20 of these things all oh, at the more. same time? I mean, it, you could just think of it as having the same overhead as an app. Yeah, and, and sometimes, you know, um, uh, I, I start up a real simple little demo um, where I just kick off um, a bunch of, of uh, echoes to, uh, to uh, yeah. out, standard out, right? And, right. It's, and every half second. And I can start up 20, 30, 40 of those containers on my, on my laptop and... Um, I don't see I don't see any significant change in my memory footprint, and uh, as long as I restrict them to a reasonable like half second frequency, I'm not seeing any differences on my uh, hmm. on my uh, 
CPU profile either. I mean, nice. I, I can wow. throw that up there. They're, they're just incredibly lightweight. Um, depending on which, uh, version of the container, right? So there's, um, there's a bunch of different flavors of Linux, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but the, the container sizes will range anywhere. I should say the image sizes will range anywhere from 50 meg to 200 meg. Um, but the, uh, when they actually get instantiated in memory, um, depending on what they're doing, they're even smaller. Sure. So, yeah, it's just wow. the image size. That's everything the, yeah. that container would ever need, not right. necessarily what you would run at it's, any given moment. And right. so a container could be just zipped up into a zip file and here run this? Um, essentially. Um, yeah. the way Docker builds things is, 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 is Docker, uh, Docker uses a layered file system approach. And so every time you do something different, every time you apply changes to an image, that's a layer. Okay. And so it's a little bit like um, everybody's favorite uh, version control system, as a Git, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you're just you're just saving the changes to the file system I over see. time. Um, so and then um, and I'm not exactly sure what the what the binary image format is. It's based on the file system it writes to, obviously. Yeah. But but it turns into a single file. It turns into saying. a single yeah. Well, wow. uh, again, a series of images. And then um, when you kick off the container, the container references the first layer of that image, and then each one references all the way down until oh, it makes the calls into the kernel. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you have an execution stack. Wow. so That's pretty amazing. Yeah. And so somebody who is, you know, working in uh, with lots of different servers, especially Linux, I mean, this is really exciting for stuff that runs in Linux, right? Mm-hmm. Because typically you'd have to spin up something in the cloud to to get it going or god forbid make your own box and try to network with that i'm talking as a windows developer here um you're probably old hat for you but uh i've done it a few times old red hat old red hat yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there okay but uh so, so this is going to be the thing now what about for people who are just simply building you know c sharp asp.net websites maybe they've got their azure stuff going and uh and the whole process seems to work just fine what's the benefit to us um so first of all i think the paradigm is is it's pretty easy to get developers to understand exactly what's going on because it it does feel a lot like code right um the real benefit um in my view for developers is is it feels um it feels like a really good version control system right so um you can you could have your version of your website or your web app running and, and ready to go. And you can say, I want to try this other thing. And so mm-hmm. if you had that previous version running in a container yeah. or a series of containers, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's like having a compiled binary. Yeah, um, yeah. You can, you can, you can build out a new set in new containers. You can tweak those containers to get different, uh, profiles, new libraries, right. maybe some new tools. You can deploy it. Things don't go exactly right. Shut it down, stand up the old version. It's just a new, it's just a set of containers that we're setting out on that, on right. that cloud. And it's, and it's probably going to take a lot less time to just shut down one container, spin up another one than it is to make a change, push yes. a new change. Containers yeah. can, yeah, they stand up, uh, milliseconds. Milliseconds. They're really wow. fast as opposed to a VM. So it's which like a switch. It's a much yeah. bigger, much heavier thing. I mean, try and right. make a Hyper V VM under a gigabyte. It's basically right. impossible. Right. You know, they're, they're way bigger. And what's yep. the Azure story for? For Docker and for other containers, um, my I believe that uh, I believe that Azure. Um, if you're if you're running a, a Linux uh, uh, on Azure, if you're running a Linux VM on Azure, mm-hmm. uh, I believe the support's there. Right. Okay. Um, and they yeah. keep promising us promising promising Azure will run all kinds of Docker containers. On, right. You know, no VM. 
Right. That's nothing. It's not out yet. Right. But that seems to be the direction right. to go. But that would be nice. I mean, it makes, makes web development only, uh, you only need to talk to Azure when it's time to deploy. In other right. words, everything's running on your desktop. Right. Multiple changes, multiple things. And when you're, yep, that's the one. Boom. Right. Send well, that up. And so the other thing that's really interesting that, that, that Docker has done is they've created the Docker Hub, which is, if, you know, like GitHub or, or, or any other version control system, right? Mm. It, it understands webhooks and a few things like that. So you can push your containers into a private repository at, at wow. Docker Hub, and then you could have Azure request those and pull, oh, and pull from their service. Wow. And so now so, you're not even pushing from your laptop. Yeah. And you can, and, and the Docker Hub will do builds for you. So you could push a Docker file, which looks a lot like code. They're real easy to understand. Mm -hmm. um, it'll do the build for you, and then you can you could pull to your Azure. And uh, it's a configuration file. So this is not making yes. one container that says, I need one of these and one of those and one of these right. and wire them up this way, make this the outward-facing piece, go. Essentially, yeah. I mean, Docker's working on, on that. Right right now, it primarily works with, with single images. Mm -hmm. um, they do have this thing called Docker Compose, right. which is based on an open-source project called Fig, which just got brought in under the Docker umbrella. Again, they are acquiring, they're acquiring open source projects and companies this is like a moving crazy. Target. It is insane how fast they're moving. Um, but at this core issue is this idea of you're communicating to the to the operating system kernel, not to the BIOS or the low level of the machine. So you've got all this reduction in weight. Exactly. But that it seems like a lot of the same things we right. come to to buy into with automated deploy into virtual machines. Right. I mean, I've done what you're describing against GitHub calling to Azure, where it's lighting up multiple VMs based on some templates, installing mm -hmm. the code, doing configuration. So this how does, just seems faster. Yeah. So how does Grunt integrate with, or, or Gulp for that matter, integrate with Docker? I mean, do some of these things sort of work together or um, overlap well, in terms of so, you know, setting it up? So, I mean, Docker, yeah. Um, I mean, I think you could probably get some of that tooling in there. Um, mm -hmm. I haven't, I haven't tried any of that myself. So I'm not, yeah. not sure I could talk to that very well. But I mean, if you, I can see if you've got an environment that you have to set up, you know, how much of that goes in one container and how much goes in multiple containers. And sure, sure. And yeah, those things so, get configured. Right. Um, so yeah, it all depends on how you want to how you want to build the containers, and the containers can reach out into the into the operating system if they need to. Sure, um, you can mount volumes. It's a little bit like a virtual machine, so you can you can accomplish some of that stuff. Um, uh, yeah, I haven't. I haven't yeah, really that's done a, for for that matter. What about storage? Like, how do we create virtual storage or virtual hard disks or any of that stuff? Is that sort of built into it? Um, no, it's 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 a, it's abstracted away to the volume level. So oh, okay. So, um, by default, containers are self-contained. Mm -hmm. Um, you can, you can manipulate files within the containers. Um, they will remember those changes if you don't save that container by, by, uh, by essentially checking it in. If you delete it, those changes are gone. Um, so the container is writing to itself as a, a virtual hard drive? Right. So it's a, it's a, it's another layer on that, uh, on that, uh, file system. Yeah. So, Right. So it's writing to itself. It does. And that's all contained. Mm -hmm. um, but if you need to reach out uh, to a volume, right, you can you can do that. So um, I see. When is, people, that a, is that volume, the, the default volume, a dynamically expanding volume? Um, it's it's well, and it's not really. a Yeah. So the I believe the volume inside the container is 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 uh, you essentially have access to the to the hard drive. If you need to mount 
um, for in, for internal use. Um, if you need to mount something externally, um, you basically, uh, when you're starting up the container, you basically say, I'm going to map this internal volume mount point to this right. mount point on the on the file system. And now right. you're creating dependencies. Right. So, but for certain things like um, if you're if you're sending up a, a container for tooling uh, code, you may you may not ever want to check your code into your container. You may want to check your code in to your file system. Yeah. You know where you normally would work. Right. And then you kick off your container. Your container. You've told your container where to find your code. So it reads in, it all and loads it's in it my up. projects. Right. Yeah. And then you can get into that container. You can use your tools. It's going to access your source code. It's going to do what it, you need it to do. And then when you shut that container down, your code is still fine. So right. it speaks to the process that you must have to sort of figure out depending on your situation and be careful kind of because you create these external dependencies. Right. You can't just, you know, move them around now. Yeah. Right. But it's no different than when you get to a point of deploying an app, right? It's like you Absolutely. depend on this file share, yep. you know, this named piped resource to a right. database. Like it's just the... Uh, configuration yeah, yeah it's not a new problem, but no, right. but it's something you do have to consider. I mean, we we talk about containers being self-contained, but just like anything else, they they may have dependencies, right? It's you know yeah. it's um it's it's like any new tool, right? I mean, uh, you have to get in there, you have to kick the tires, you have to be willing to make right. a few mistakes, figure some stuff out, and once you start really getting used to the the commands and 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 the things that it can do, mm -hmm. then you you start to find the opportunities right, right? you start yeah. to figure out feel around where yeah. where i can do things right yeah that's exciting yeah uh and yeah and i'm i'm looking at this from just a deployment management perspective i do a lot of work now with teams doing automated deploys and things and this is seen we we're jumping through big hoops to automate hyper v implementations or vmware implementations where you could stand the whole thing up right so the, but the compose idea is a relatively new idea that i would have a suite of of containers that run together as an app right and they yeah so they've got two things they've got docker compose which is an idea that you have a configuration file that sits on top of your kind of docker configurations and it and it knows that you want to run these three containers and they're going to talk to each other right um another thing they've just just a few weeks ago they revealed docker swarm and docker swarm is this idea that i can kind of pre-stand up a group of containers right and as i feed processes into Docker Swarm, it's going to partition for me, right? It's going to sit there and say, oh, you've given me 15 containers and you want me to run these 18 processes. Okay, here we go. Da, 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 right? So it's going to set them up for you. Um, sort of spread them out. So you're able to basically set up clusters of, right. of machines. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Well, and they're not really machines now. No, they're how not. Do you, how do you get them <laughs> distributed across multiple physical servers? Um, that's a very good question. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure anyone's really, there are people working on that problem, yeah. but I haven't seen anyone really, you know, say this is the way, this to go is the way it. because generally, you know, my experience scaling websites is you go to the second site, not for performance, you go for reliability, right? That, that cause I've had that one machine go down with the only copy of the website and that really sucked. Right. So I want another mm -hmm. copy somewhere else. Right. So being able to, you know, the idea that you would share off enough services in enough locations that pieces of it could disappear and it would keep work working right. is not yeah. a trivial concept. Right. Correct. Hey, Richard. Buddy. You know what time it is now? Uh, it must be that happy time again. Yep. It's time to make like Otis Redding and go sitting on the dock or the bay oh, and watch the Hyper-V roll away. Oh, no. No. <laughs> oh, two minutes in the box of sin for you. <laughs> Three puns in one sentence, not right. <laughs>
awful. Sorry. It's a, <laughs> and I did that totally straight. Two minutes delivered ago. perfectly. Like, yeah, uh, you just wrote it. All right. Actually, it's time to give away a music to code by CD and track four, which is now available. Oh yeah, congratulations! Another yeah. one. I listened to it. Yeah, the the last track. And man, by the way, I've been getting great great uh, feedback on, and the next one is going to be a little more subdued with the drums because mm-hmm. I got feedback. You know, that this last one was really cool, and I found myself you were having too much fun with it. Having too much fun with it. Yeah, <laughs> I got to sort of dial it back again. You I know? played. Uh, I was playing your music before the keynote today. Oh, Music to Code by yeah, Music? Yeah, Music to Code by was just my film music in the back, and people yeah. recognize it right away. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, uh, included in this set is a Music to Code by CD, Track 4, and the Blu-ray documentary nice. on the making of, and uh, that's that's what I'm giving away. Well, that's cool. So who's our winner? Today's winner is Ted Mitchell. Congratulations, Ted. Yeah. And uh, I don't know how much that's worth, but... Not much, really. But uh, I just got my copy in the mail, by the way. Hopefully, you'll get a lot of uh, productivity out of it. Yeah, it'll make you money. Yeah, it will. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, there you go, Ted. And if you don't know what we're talking about right now, go to .netrocks.com. Click on the big Get Free Stuff button. Answer a few questions and join the .net Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. Every show, we like to give away sponsor stuff. And every December, we give away a $5,000 shopping spree mm-hmm. in technology to one lucky member of the .net Rocks fan club but you got to sign up to win we also like to ask our guest seth if you had five thousand dollars to spend on technology today what would you buy um well uh that's a very good question um so i'm lucky enough to work with uh, uh, a local couple local groups in Omaha. one is uh the aim institute and they've uh, we've started doing coder dojos through aim oh yeah um, wow with uh, working with uh, kids in the Omaha area, and it's great. Been, been really fantastic, great participation from the local developer community, um, and and AIM has been really good at, at organizing that for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I also uh, recently started working with um, high school robotics team. Yeah, um, nice. So so honestly, um, uh, the thing uh, you the, can get such cool robotics. Yeah, stuff these I mean, days right for five grand. For five grand, I mean, uh, it would be probably some Kano or Raspberry Pi computer setups yep. for the AIM mm-hmm. uh, group, and mm-hmm. so we can we can get some kids programming with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. We do use Surface uh, uh, Windows Surface tablets uh, with that already. Mm-hmm. Um, this would just let us move in a, in a slightly different direction in that regard. And then, of course, you know. The robotics team can always use uh, some Arduino boards or some servos or something like right. that. More wheels. More wheels. Yeah. <laughs> more power. You can always yeah. use more power. Oh, yeah. Batteries, batteries, batteries. <laughs> so my brother does that. He uh, coaches the and helps the Java programmers. Yeah. Yeah. At it's, his it's, high school. It's it's so great. I Hugely mean, these rewarding kids are, stuff, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. See yeah. them light up. Without and they're so smart. I mean, yeah. I, I like yep. to think I was that smart when I was their age, but I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're also living in the gestalt now of the environment of so much technology. They're just not intimidated by anything. No. No. But I also don't know, are they inspired? We, we're all the immigrants to this stuff. And we're, I think in some ways we're more excited about it than they are. But, oh, yeah. But I got to think the robotics really grabs kids. Yeah. 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 The phys- the physicality of it. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. they're, they're all, they're, they've always, they've, always had one foot in the virtual, right? Yes. I mean, they just, 
they just get that. I mean, you know, it's not a big deal. No, me. we would we 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 read William Gibson. That was as close as we got oh, to no, him. We Snow Crash. Yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah, 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 Stevenson. I mean, you know, for, we're still. You're right. We're immigrants, yeah. and they are. They're um, natives. They're natives. They're yeah. there. Well, I think it's so, some respects that they feel like it's easier for them, and in other respects, it's like they're indifferent to a lot of mm-hmm. things. You know, natives have always had something; they just don't value it the same way. Right. It's it's really interesting. I mean, some of the stuff, some of the ideas they come up with, right? So my my son works with this uh, tech group. The tech support group at the high school is uh, it's a lot of high school students, mm-hmm. and so you know, I I thought it was very interesting. They're sitting around trying to figure out how to deal with these network TVs they have through the school to show displays and stuff like that. One of the kids says, "Oh, well, why don't we just go get a bunch of uh, little Chromecasts?" Yeah, and he writes some custom code, and they put Chromecasts on all these TVs, and they can. They they have control over this network of televisions, dumb televisions scattered and throughout Google the school. Google wants to give away those things. Well, they're, they're like, only what thirty dollars yeah. or something in the yeah. first place. Yeah, why but wouldn't you? I just got a a new TV for the house. It's a smart TV, so mm-hmm. it's got the Chromecast stuff built into it. Well, right. I don't know if that's the particular thing it's running, but it's got a little you know computer in it, and mm-hmm. you know it's just built into the TV now. You can just get your media from Netflix or wherever you want, Amazon. Right. So what are they pushing mm-hmm. on to the Chromecast in the school? Well, it's, it's, you know, it's announcements and, right. and that kind of stuff. And, and, and they wanted to be able to kind of control these TVs remotely and, and have this distributed network. And, right. And they don't want to go, you know, I, you know, first thing I thought of is, well, you know, you got to start pulling Ethernet. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, wait. Pull new cable. No. Yeah. Replace the TVs with more modern Wi-Fi. ones. Yeah. You know, all of this more. Yeah. It, it, you know, we're doing it the hard way. Right. You know, take the dumb old TV and give it this little gizmo. Right. We allows us, I mean, I, I would do signal notching. Channel five will now be the, the school, you know, they mm. show my weird hardware chops. They will notch that channel out. The other channels will all work, but five will now be us and we can broadcast to that. Right. Yeah. And they were able just to say, uh, you know what? We're going to take the admin, the teacher administrator portion of the Wi Fi network and we're just going to add these Chromecasts to it. Right. And mm. we're going to, you know, set up this virtual network and, and, and feed everything we need to feed that way. Problem it's just solved. Brilliant. It's, it's like just brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Really smart. When I go, you know, some of this Docker stuff makes you feel the same way. It's like I don't usually feel like, wow, am I just getting too old to keep up with some of this? But yeah. you know, it's taken a while to get a feel for what is containers actually going to mm-hmm. mean to us long term, and it it seems very pro- as profound as virtualization was in the first place. Right. You know, it's like um, I, I'm I'm not a Ruby programmer, but I know a lot of Ruby programmers in the Omaha area, and. Ruby and, and Python both have this, mm-hmm. you know, they have so many, they have different versions and, and people, um, people have all these little tricks they use to, uh, so they can go back and forth between different versions of the software. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you Testing know, and, yeah. yeah. And so that's one of the things I've, 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 I've been able to, to make a pretty easy case for Docker for. It's like, was well, a developer, what if you just had a, a container for each version of Ruby that you want to work with? And right. now you're not. It's never installed in your operating system. Right, you're never this? doing having that How about battle? having a, a Docker for Visual Studio? Right. How about oh, having yeah. a Docker for each app, uh, each that, you're app that I run yeah. on right. all these machines? Now I don't have to install them. Yes, exactly. I just pop them up. Well, you started yeah. with with App V. Were you thinking in terms of should we just be using Docker for every app and being declarative about the relationship between the apps? Because then there's no install program. There's no mm-hmm. install Dude, there's problems. No GAC, there's an update there's no issue. You still have to update yourself, but... It's amazing. Well, imagine how much harder it would be for the for the bad guys if every version of Internet Explorer ran in a it's container. Container. 
Yeah. Oh, look. Wow. What uh, a great something idea. may have gone wrong here. Uh, you know, even the windows could even detect that. Sure. I don't like what got done to this container. I'm killing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're going to lose your browser history for the last hour. Right. On, on I bet this container on only. This container only. And I right. bet you don't care. But your browser <laughs> history is probably in the cloud anyway. So right. does it matter? Microsoft probably is. Yeah. Is, is I mean, if you're signed into Google sure. or Bing or whatever, right. Microsoft. But you know, my, your, my security hat pops on there. It's like, one of the nice things with a Docker container, with any container, is I decide what comes and goes from it. Right. It's very declarative as to what I open up. Exactly. And they were trying to do a lot of this in Win 8 with the Metro apps and stuff, about creating very strict containers, quote-unquote. They never use that word. Right. This seems like a much more generic way to think in those terms. Do, do you think we need to start programming it? Like, so far, the stuff you've been talking to from a developer's perspective mm. is more about... The infrastructure around development. How mm-hmm. do I deploy? How do I right. test? Those sorts of things. Are we going to start coding to Docker? Is there something we want to write against it like that? That's a very good question. Um, uh, I, I, I think, uh, I, I think there's some good use cases that, that you could pull out of that. Yeah. Right. I think so. Um, it's just things you want to be able to say to it, per se, to be able right. to, to be more specific on their controls. Right. Yeah. And, and, and again, they do expose an API and there are a lot of people who are writing, uh, software that hooks into that API to do things like the, with the virtual networking and, mm-hmm. and solve some of the really thorny, uh, deployment issues when you try and do this at scale, right? right. Because, um, this is, this is new territory. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and, you know, there's some security issues in there as well Absolutely. that people are addressing too. So. Yeah. No, this is. It, it, someday in the future, we're gonna some some black hat's gonna come up with a virus that exploits virtualization in one form or the other, just its ability to to roam around like that, and that's right. gonna be a difficult day. Right, hasn't happened yet. You know, knock on wood. Right, that it's a, there's a reason we need to put cycles into thinking really carefully about what you expose and how you expose it. So right. I I can't remember, but does Windows run inside a Docker container yet? No, no, not not. Not to my knowledge. Got it. Um, uh, it runs on Windows, even right. runs on Windows client. Right. But it doesn't, but you can't run a Windows app inside it. No. There, yeah. you know, Docker is, yeah, Docker is purely based on the Linux kernel. So uh, when you kick off a boot to Docker, or I should mention there's another application that Docker just acquired called Kitematic. 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 And it's a graphic user interface for using Docker on Macintosh. And part of the announcement for the acquisition was, Hey, we're going to do this for Windows too. Okay, interesting. So, wow. it'll it'll take a little bit of that that pain. Not that there's much pain to starting up Docker mm-hmm. on Windows, but it'll take a little bit of that pain away. But so back to my back to what I was saying. Uh, when you start up uh, boot to Docker on on a Windows machine, you're getting a, a micro kernel virtual machine uh, running a Linux kernel on that on that Windows right. box, and then you're going to run your containers on top of that. Because those containers are based on what's what's in that that Linux kernel, um, you can't run can't run Windows in it. You know, that and you know, but yeah, Microsoft, sure. we believe Microsoft is going to change that real soon. Yeah, and, and it's probably going to be in the Win 10 timeframe. Yeah, like I they, can't imagine they wouldn't have that in Windows 10 unless it was just a matter of time. Unless they've already done. Yeah. I mean, let's face it; they're not going to put it in Windows 8. Right? No, it's like it's right. not going to be an update for Windows 8 to support right. this. Right. But they've been talking about it for long enough. I wonder if it's in 10. Yeah, I wonder. We're only going to yeah. see it at the end. Now, mm. the last last rumor I saw that I thought had some real credibility to it was, aren't they aren't they due to release a new version of Windows Server in 2015? Well, the new Win 10 was announced 
just recently, around mm-hmm. the time of this recording, to be released in the summer. Okay. But they yeah. actually said that server be later. It'd okay. Be like 2016. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, the, the the rumor I heard was that it was that they were targeting Windows Server first. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but again. Uh, this is all speculation, and yeah, the so internet is full of crazy theories. So, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And it, and it, I, I get this feeling that Microsoft is further ahead than they care to admit on some things, and so they're but they're waiting to surprise and delight us. Yeah, yeah. Right. I don't, I don't have any evidence per se. It just is a funny feel with uh, where they are in some things. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, the last official word was yeah, we server will come after the client edition of okay. Win Ten. Mm-hmm. But maybe they've changed their minds. Maybe they're further ahead than they think. Yeah. You know, in theory, it's all the same core code. Right. But I think there's another, you know, the other side of this is more the, you think they have Docker for Azure first, that that would be the, that would be the thing you really want is take any Docker container, run it in Azure. Right. And that they have total control of. Right. And, but, and you think whatever comes out of that, I mean, it seems like the latest versions of server are very much trickle downs from Azure. So they got it. They'll have that working Mm -hmm. first. Then you'll see what comes for server. So until I see one, I'm not going to expect the other. Do you, so do you normally expect, uh, to see uh, server trickle down to to desktop or, or not necessarily because they seem to be working in different cadences with it. Okay, I, th- I really feel like client and server have diverged in okay. the past few versions because server's much more informed by cloud and and client went a different way. Went the the whole uh, Win eight tablet right. metro thing, which right. in some ways I feel like they're walking that back in Win ten. Yeah, you know they're right. they're, they're sort of picking a middle ground. It doesn't feel like the same thing at all. And I don't know how much the kernel's really changing in that space. You know, that was any, there's one big thing that came out of Win 8 in my mind was the one kernel to rule them all. That the same kernel that runs in your desktop, runs in your tablet, runs in your phone, runs on your Xbox, runs in Azure. Right. Which is a great idea. And so when you suddenly, you, you bring out this idea of this needs to be in the OS kernel, I'm like, for Microsoft, that's a huge deal, right? Yeah, because they, well, they right. want that unified kernel. Well, and they've been trying. I mean, I remember when Windows NT 4.0 came out. I mean, it was, yeah. and, and and the idea was back then we will someday have a single kernel, right? Right, and and it was you know it was a really hard problem. Yeah, when they merged the Win 9 lines and the NT yeah. lines in 2000, yeah, for all the silliness that, that was around right. 2000, right. right? And then XP had the unified thing, and we made right. fun of it too, right? But it was the longest lived operating system Microsoft ever made. It was a good operating system. Yeah. So I noticed C Sharp isn't on your list of uh, languages. Any uh, interest in 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 doing some you C know, Sharp? There is an amazing .NET community in Omaha. And yeah. I have a lot of friends who write .NET software, yeah. um, and and write in C Sharp, and um, and it's it's a great infrastructure. Um, very, I was very impressed when when Microsoft uh, open sourced uh, yep. .NET. Yeah. Um, you know, I I jokingly said, um, uh, I jokingly told my .NET friends they're now working on a more open platform than I am. Yeah, I, I write a lot of Java code. <laughs> jokingly, um, that's yeah, it's true. It's a very yeah. <laughs> It's, it's very true. Um, it is a strange world we're in now, isn't it? Never saw that one coming. Well, yeah. I don't know how Oracle gets away with what they get away with. Yeah. I'm just kind of astonished. I mean, Microsoft got raked over the coals for things. And I would argue, many in many cases, justifiably so. Yeah. But what is it? This is Oracle leads with the, hi, we're Oracle. We're evil. Any questions? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. If you admit it up front, you're, you're okay. Right, it's okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. They're the guys with the licensing it's, model that says, how much money have you got? <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We're evil in, in that. Just yeah. get used to it. Yeah. Sooner you understand that, the better off we'll Nobody's be. Nobody's surprised. Right. You know, I was, uh, I used, I used Sun products 
you know, mm-hmm. rest in rest in peace. Um, <sighs> That's gonna for, hurt for, for years. You. Yeah. Um, and I was a fairly big fan of their ecosystem, and 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 I enjoyed the support that that Sun gave for Java for years. Um, and he built some of the most compelling hardware ever made. Yeah, ever ever. Yeah. Solaris was yeah. astonishing. Yeah. yeah, Solaris was a great operating system. Um, uh, Oracle has been an interesting steward um, for for Java. Um, uh, but I can certainly see um, the attraction of, of, of the .NET environment because and, and C Sharp because I think Microsoft has, you know, they truly understood the value of of that developer ecosystem mm-hmm. and 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 again I don't I don't work it in a, work in it on a daily basis, but uh, the people I know who do work in it are, are just incredibly enthusiastic and and they've come really close to winning me over on numerous <laughs> occasions. Yeah, I will say that there's just not the, you know we are all deeply fond of Java because we are brothers. I mean, right. Oh yeah. The absolutely. virtual development and and, and uh, the virtual machine model is that's what we all live in. And right. C Sharp borrowed a stole, uh, borrowed so much from uh, Java. Yeah, that was, you know, anything that has an N, right? You yeah. know, is is essentially an answer to the J version of it, right? Hey, you know, it, it, and that's one of the greatest things about .NET from from is that, or I should say C Sharp. Sorry, because .NET is way more than C Sharp. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's one of the great things about C Sharp is 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 I can read the code. Right. Yeah. If somebody can show me a demo and say, "Hey, look what I did," and I can go. I'm I'm pretty sure I know how you did that. Right, right. You may um, not be able to write it off the top, but right. you know, just like you can often understand a lang a, a spoken language before you could speak it. Right, they're just not that different. And then you see a link query, and you go, "Ooh, I wish I had that." Yes, <laughs> no. There are some there are some very nice features that have been added in the last few years. Yeah, for sure. Oh man. So what was your talk here? So my uh, so the talk uh, I gave at Nebraska. Uh, code uh, is Docker for devs. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea was, first of all, the way Docker is structured, it seems to be really accessible, as I said previously, to developers, right? It's it's the uh, containers are built in, in kind of a version control system, and there's a hub mm-hmm. that, you know, acts as a central focal point for these, for the images. And the a Docker file, which is a way of, 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 of essentially structuring a container or an image, I should say, in code, um, it's 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 feels like software, right? And right. I, but I can treat it like software too. I can put it in a revision control system. I can check it in with my project. Mm-hmm. You you can pull my my project and you can you can build that on your system. And now you have the container that that I was using mm. without without pulling my container. Um, um, and, and then the other thing, of course, is there's this huge debate um, about just where Docker fits into. Uh, production environment, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, we've talked about the well, what are probably the obvious advantages to running uh, containers in a in a cloud environment, yes. but but um, but there's a lot of gotchas in there too. There's a lot of things that you have to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the networking virtualization is is way uh, way complicated compared to uh, even a, a conventional cloud environment. Um, you have some interesting issues with uh, around security. Um, to their credit. Uh, the Docker has recently hired a director of security and 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 a lead security. Um, what are the issues engineer. there? Um, well, you're sharing kernel space, right? right. So mm-hmm. so there's always there's this idea that if 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 things aren't 100, percent you could potentially punch it down because yeah. the Docker uh, daemon runs as root. So if you could if you can if you could punch so you down into the control, kernel, yeah. you could punch out you into the really operating system, system. Yeah. yeah, and your root. You'd have access to everything, right? So. Um, no different than if somebody exploited the the virtual machine extensions in a, in an OS right. or in a in a on a 
PC. Right. Is there an API everything. that lets programmers specifically do that to punch down to the kernel and um, do no, they know that that should not be. Well, so that's that not, good. Yeah, that should not be something they should be able to do. One of the things they're working on, which they haven't finished yet, it's on the uh, the list of things to do. Uh, to help protect against that is they want to get user mapping in place, right? They've right. got port mapping. They've got volume mapping for mount points. Mm-hmm. They want to get user mapping. So then you could say, um, root in my container is, is dumb user five mm. on, on my machine. Got it. And so if somehow that user escapes the, uh, container, it's not good, for anything, go. not good for anything. I only have power. Yeah. Inside of this container, right. as soon as I exceed that container, I'm done. Right. That, I mean, that's yep. an interesting problem. Yeah. Yes. And that's not something that is. That's not something that's necessarily built into the existing hooks that Docker is using. So they are. That's something. Yeah, that's an that's internal not, project. That's not something in the Windows security model either. Like, that's right. very challenging. Right. I, I get it. I get that. That's hard. That's a hard problem. Right. Well, I think we're going to have to uh, wrap it up because the hordes are coming. Yeah. And uh, it's <laughs> going to get loud in here pretty soon. So, are you coming back next year? Are you speaking at any other conferences? Anything else coming up that we should um, know about? Uh, I spoke at Heartland Developer Conference last year. I'll probably be trying to submit a talk again this year for that. That's usually in the fall. Yeah. Um, I, I missed the uh, call for papers for uh, KCDC, but mm-hmm. uh, I may just have to buy a ticket and go down anyways. Because uh, yeah. Lee runs a great show. Yeah, he does. Yep. It's, uh, and and uh, some of the people... Uh, who are here, who I uh, have uh, some admiration for, are going to be down there as well. And uh, it's a great crowd. So it's great things happening in the Midwest. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, knocking it out. Yeah. Well, it's been great. Thanks very much for talking to us. I appreciate it. Thank you guys very much. All right. We'll see you next time. Dot Net Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a